It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we go, Dan, I really think it's important to remember, and we have the opportunity here with with this podcast to talk about pretty much whatever we want to in terms of the Bears. Lovey Smith's coming back, and I know you weren't here for his tenure. I was here for every day of it, and I covered the Bears every single from the first press conference where he announced he wanted to beat the Packers to the last moment where he was fired after going ten and six. And I'm not going to say it was all fun and games. There were times where Lovey and I did not get along. It was in my role as columnist at the Chicago Tribune. We shouldn't get along. But I always had a respect for him. And I think as he comes into town, his legacy, his place in Bears history is something that we should at least address and discuss because it is significant. And I think what happened with Lovey Smith from 2004 when he took over for Dick Duran to 2012 when he was fired after going 10-6 and six, in a playoff or bust ultimatum, George McCaskey's first big move, George McCaskey's first bad move, um, it's time to reflect. And I do think it's important to note it was a time of relevance for the Bears. They got to two uh, NFC Championship games. They won one of them, and they got to the Super Bowl in the 2006 season. Uh, And it is also historical significance because of what he meant to – the black coaches movement and his playing against and coaching against Tony Dungy in that Super Bowl and what that meant for the growth of the game and the progress for African-American head coaches in the NFL. Certainly not momentum that was was uh, not interrupted after that, but what he achieved in Chicago, you really, I think the longer he is away, the more you appreciate. And I'm not going to say again that he was always the easiest guy to be around but I think that he did the job in a way that was always professional that was easy to respect and he stuck and clung to the identity that he wanted his football team to represent and I give him kudos because uh, since the 1985 Super Bowl Bears there hasn't been a lot to celebrate in terms of seasons in terms of tenures but Lovey Smith, the most successful coach since the Ditka era, and I think when he comes back on Sunday as the head coach of the Houston Texans back in the NFL, you have to give him his due. So listen, I was looking up a couple things because I, the Lovey tenure was fascinating on a number of levels. Number one, I was actually covering the Bears part-time for the Naperville Sun in 2004 and attended Lovey's introductory press conference at Hellas Hall. It was just a kind of fly on the wall, shy little young reporter back in the back, not really paying attention. But I remember how bold that was for him to come in and say, you know, we're going to beat the Packers and then kind of, you know, make good on it pretty quickly in his tenure here. There's obviously signature victories all over his nine years here. Uh, probably none more special than the comeback in Arizona 
right, to 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 beat the Cardinals, the signature win of, of the Bears' signature season of the 21st century. And, and, and you think about what that game was to those who played in it, and it was just a, a show of toughness. It was a show of resolve. It was a show of unity. And it was a show that you could win a football game without having an ounce of offense right like you could <laughs> you could have your quarterback turn the ball over five times right and you could still win a football game because you get two defensive touchdowns and a special team score from from Devin Hester and you'd walk out of there with one of the most rousing victories in, that a Bears fan has ever experienced just because of the, some of the things you coached the oral history that you did in the Tribune on that game a couple years ago was one of the best things you ever did it's one of the more fun things I ever did. A lot, a really cool, a cool perspective from all the people that were part of that, including people on the Cardinal side. Always uh, was was a little bit angry that I couldn't get up with Matt Leinart because I thought his voice would have added a lot to that story. That's a, a a topic for another podcast. The other signature win, obviously, is the NFC title game win over the Saints in the snowstorm at Soldier Field. You obviously covered that and attended that and know what kind of a magical moment that was for a franchise that's been low on magical moments. I, I'm sure you you have some feels when you think back to that afternoon and what that meant to the city. It was great. That was one of the highlights of, of covering the Bears uh, since I was at the, in Chicago and, and certainly with the Tribune. And, and that was one of those days where different people, different contexts, you, you Lovey and Erlacher and Rex Grossman and then Virginia McCaskey. You know, there were so many good moments throughout his tenure. There were some bad ones too. I can remember getting calls at home about columns I would write and, and I remember sitting in conference rooms with Lovey and lecturing me about responsibility and reporting. And I mean, it all comes back when he comes back to town. And I think that, again, when you share those experiences, you have a different sort of uh, feel when he does come back. So it's a mixture of good and bad. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions here about this, because it's curious for me as someone who wasn't here. I was covering the Vikings at the time and, and before that, as I mentioned, in, in North Carolina. But let's talk about 2011 and 2012 for a minute because obviously in 2011 the bears were seven and three when jay cutler broke his thumb trying to tackle a defender who was returning one of his interceptions and their season went haywire from there i think they lost five straight after that yeah uh and, and went to seven and eight and then won a meaningless finale at the metrodome against the vikings to finish eight and eight but if cutler doesn't get hurt there how much is different in the love era a lot is different. What happened after that was the context was Lovey survived that because Jerry Angelo didn't. And there was the, the, the feeling that, and I think I was probably among those applying the pressure. What in the world are you doing without a backup quarterback? Right. How in the world can you have a roster that is complete uh, 52 of the 53 spots you feel very good about, but you don't have a backup quarterback. And then Jay Cutler goes down trying to make an interception, one of the dumbest plays he's ever had in his NFL career. That changed the context of Angelo's career, of Lovey's future, because what it did was it made 2012, after you missed the playoffs, coming out of the NFC Championship game, it made 2012 a playoffs or bust ultimatum for George McCaskey, who felt like he had to do something big in his tenure as chairman. So I think that when you go back to that moment, that game against the Chargers, that play where Cutler hurt himself, one of the biggest, most pivotal plays 
of that decade for the Chicago Bears. So uh, I wanted to spin that forward then to 2012 because the Bears, again, were, were playing great football. And I'm just looking at this in front of me now. They were 7-2 and two the following year. Uh, actually, 7-1 and one out of the gates. And, and they, they fell to 7-2 and two with a loss to the Texans, a game in which Jay got his bell rung and I think had to come out of that game and then missed the next week against the 49ers, which happened to be Colin Kaepernick's first start for the 49ers in place of Alex Smith. And all of a sudden, they hit this skid there. Yeah. And it, it started again with another Cutler injury and another Cutler setback that then they dropped five out of six there. And then, but, 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 the, uh, you know, so I want to get your perspective on that, but also, yeah, I'll get your perspective on that. And then I'll follow up with, with, with my final question on that season. New general manager. Yeah. I, you felt like Phil Emery was going to do his own thing. The way they started affected the way you interpreted the way the season ended because the expectations were raised again in the beginning of Lovey's, you know, win or else type of season, the way that George had maybe framed it or allowed it to be framed, you felt like, okay, they hit a lull. And frankly, Dan, in 2012, after eight or nine years of Lovey Smith in Chicago, in any market, there was some Lovey fatigue. And For I was sure. definitely as, as worn out as anybody. So I think that there was a constant chorus from media and from fans that, okay, when or else, what's going on here? Are they getting stale? Are they tuning out the message after nine seasons or whatever it was in 2012 when they went on that losing streak? You started to feel like, okay, maybe they do need to change. I don't think any of us expected what would come next, that they would never get back to that level until 2018 and they right. would go in the dysfunctional direction they went into. But I think that was the context of that season as it happened. My follow-up is that they steadied themselves in the final two weeks of the season, beat the Cardinals and beat the Lions. And I actually covered the game at the Metrodome in which Adrian Peterson completed his MVP season and upset the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in an absolutely brilliant football game between offensive firepowers, Rodgers versus Peterson in the finale. And that was the game that the Vikings won to steal the final wildcard spot away from the Bears, who had won earlier in the day against Detroit and thought they had a chance to get in, right? All the Packers had to do was beat the Vikings in Minnesota and the Bears would have been in the playoffs. Had the Bears gotten into the playoffs, I contended at that point that they had steadied themselves enough to maybe be one of those teams that, that makes one of those sneaky surprise runs in January. And I'm curious what your thought was for, from up close on whether that team might have been able to catch a little bit of a, a break and win a playoff game, maybe two playoff games. And then if you win one or two playoff games, you can't really fire your coach, can you? I thought the same thing. I, was, I can remember it. it was a decade ago, 2012 season but I could remember it like it was yesterday. It was at Ford Field. We were in the hallway. It was it was right after the game. Lovey, they had won, and you had thought that, okay, they had salvaged something. And then, you know, he was, he was in the stairwell. He was celebrating with his family. And you thought that was a picture of somebody who had gotten somewhat of a reprieve. And you felt like at that moment in time, I don't think – I think the Bears found out, if I think back, they found out on the bus that they didn't make the playoffs yeah. because of the way the game ended and the way the crazy thing went. And so my last image of Lovey Smith as a coach of the Bears was a, a, a jubilant one, a triumphant yeah. one, and guy, a guy who thought that he had done enough in, in salvaging the, the final games of the season, going 10-6, and six, saving his job. And I frankly thought maybe he had done that as well. And I don't even remember what I wrote on that day, but I do remember being on the plane. I think it was going to the 
uh, Notre Dame-Alabama game, national championship the next day, and finding out on the plane, getting a text from a source and a friend saying, Lovey didn't make it, he's going to get fired. And I was very surprised. Yeah, and it's crazy to think how, how that would have twisted. Lovey hasn't had quite as much success in his subsequent head coaching stops with the, the Buccaneers and then with my alma mater, the University of Illinois. That Red Box Bowl wasn't enough to keep him around. For, 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 I-L-L-O-M-G. <laughs> I know you received some uh, some emails over time uh, from yeah. my father with some of the things yeah. he wrote about, <laughs> about Lovey Smith, but that's a, a whole separate podcast. That's a whole different podcast. On its own. But yeah, good trip down memory lane and it'll be good to see lovey back in those sidelines by the lake on sunday afternoon